My name's Tim. Good morning. I'm one of the leaders here. We're going to be continuing um, our series in 1 Samuel called Dawn of a Kingdom. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn there, but don't worry, the words will come up on the screens as we go through. So just to refresh you where we are before we get into it, we were hearing last week about the high priest Eli's terrible sons, which kind of raises a natural question of who's going to replace them? And so finally we get to meet our chichichilla little boy and enter stage left Samuel. So I'm going to be reading from verse 1 in chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time Eli, whose whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I I did not call you. (laughs) Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not, know, did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that it was the Lord calling the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down. If he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. We'll pick up the story again uh, in a few minutes. So we have these, uh, these two characters, Eli, the old man, Samuel, the young boy, both of them at, uh, at Shiloh, where the kind of temple or tabernacle of God was. Old man who's blind, young boy who's been tasked with keeping this lamp alight as the night goes on. And then just as we started, we saw something kind of strange. So it says, uh, verse 2, Eli's lying down in his own place. Perfectly reasonable. Verse 3, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Which is an odd thing. And it's not really what we'd expect. So the, the ark is this uh, box where the Ten Commandments are kept that kind of signifies the most acute presence of God on earth at this time. It's kind of the, the place where God is particularly present. And in order to be near it, you had to, at minimum, be one of the priests, which Samuel isn't and couldn't have been. At this time to be a priest, you had to be born into the right family. So Samuel, he's of the right tribe, called the Levites, but he's not born in the family of Aaron, like Eli and his sons would be. So he shouldn't be here. Doesn't quite make sense. I think it's almost hard for us to imagine what that might be like. There aren't many places I go that I'm not allowed to go. And if I do, it's normally on the level of sort of walking on the grass when there's a sign that says, don't do that, or maybe popping my hand in the biscuit tin. It's not on this sort of level. I imagine it would be something like if maybe, I don't know, maybe you worked at a bank or something, and I assume what happens, not having done so, that you come in in the morning and you sort of, you get your hands on the vault and you sort of slowly open it so you can get all the money out, and then you found a young boy sleeping in there. 
which I assume would be a cause for great alarm because probably alarms should have gone off at some point and you know, blue lights start flashing and people get really worried about this. It's that kind of thing. There's a young boy somewhere that it doesn't really make sense for him to be. So what's going on? Well, we're not told, but what I imagine is happening, particularly because Eli seems to call him his son, is that Eli has chosen to treat Samuel like he is part of his family. In essence, whether formally or not, he's adopted him. He said, you can come in and kind of invited him to have the privileges that will be part of being his family, including coming to this, this most holy place, the place where encounters with God are possible. Which is actually a lot like the situation that we find ourselves in if we know Jesus. So if you follow Jesus, Jesus has died on the cross to take away uh, your sin. So the things that God doesn't like, it hates in your life, to take away the, the punishment that you deserve for them. But more than that, also to give you an invitation to come and join his family, to, to adopt you. Which, also, which means for us, actually very similarly to Samuel, that we find that God invites us into a place that you wouldn't think we have a right to be. The most holy place, being with God. So, much like Samuel, we find ourselves somewhere where encounters with God can happen, even though we might not expect to. And then we're here. Samuel hears this, this call, he hears his name, and he gets up and he goes to Eli and he, he asks what it is that Eli wants. And he doesn't want anything, it does. happens again, it happens again, and eventually Eli kind of twigs onto what's going on. I imagine that Samuel is just being a dutiful young boy who looks after Eli. Eli is very old, he's going nearly blind, and we read elsewhere that he is grossly overweight, he's enormously fat, to the point that that eventually is what kills him. So probably he needs to go to the loo a lot in the night. And I imagine Samuel's quite used to being woken up by a call to give him a hand. So it's not unusual for him to hear that. He's thinking that's what's going on. That's why he doesn't think anything's weird. He just hears his name. He thinks, right, I need to help you later go to the toilet. And then I expect he probably just thinks he's forgotten. And he comes back later because he's asked again because he's realized he needs to go. But eventually Eli twigs what's going on and tells Samuel who's talking to him. And then encourages him to, if you hear it again, talk to God, ask him what he wants to say to you. So we would probably expect that what would happen in the next verse would be, we would hear God call Samuel's name again, and then he'd tell him something. Let's see if that's what happens. So verse 10. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord came and stood. So the first thing God does isn't call his name again. It's much more immediate than that, much more intimate. He turns up and he stands next to him. This young boy, who we've already read, doesn't know him, knows very little about him, and yet he turns up 
and he stands next to him. And you know what? That, much like, a bit like Samuel, we get an invitation to come to a place where you can encounter God. That can be our experience too. That sort of God turns up. God comes and stands next to you. Moment. It, you know, it almost sounds a little bit far-fetched. God comes and stands next to you. Of course he doesn't. And yet that is what we're invited to. You see, after Jesus died on the cross, he rose to life so that we could rise with him, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father, so he rules and reigns over everything. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, the first thing that he did was he poured out his spirit on his people, which is a little bit like that invitation for Samuel to go into the most holy place and tend the lamp. Everyone who follows Jesus gets an invitation from him to experience God as though they were themselves the most holy place, the place where the presence of God is. So that you can have those moments when it feels like God turns up next to you. We're all invited to have that. In fact, that's even particularly as we gather together as the people of God, though not only in settings like this, we gather to meet him, for him to, to turn up, to come and stand next to us. And we find, as we'll see in a moment, that, that we're changed. So, if we follow a God, those of us who do, who's the kind of God who turns up, the kind of God who comes and stands next to us, well, that means that those times when it feels like everything is falling down around you, or those, those times when you just, you know, great pain or sadness or loneliness or what it is that you want to happen isn't happening or you really want to break through this sin in your life but you don't know how to or you want to change in this aspect but it's not happening or maybe even it feels like God is distant from you. We worship a God, not a distant God, not a God who's sort of, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you, which would be pretty amazing, actually, <laughs> in, in and of itself. But he's a God who goes further than that. He's a God who turns up. He's a God who comes and stands beside, and he's a God who then calls your name. A God who is close. A God who says, however you feel, I'll come into where you are. We know that's true because of where Samuel is. Yes, he's in the most holy place, but strangely enough, the most holy place, this, this box where the presence of God was centered, at this point in time, in a place called Shiloh, is in about the worst place on earth, or so it seemed in the previous chapter that uh, Jeremy took us through last week, where the people who are supposed to be the priests are sleeping with every woman they can get their hands on right there, and then they're eating everything they can get their hands on, and they're generally not doing what they're supposed to. The place is an insult to God. And Samuel's grown up in that. He's a young lad, doesn't know God, and he's grown up in the midst of that. And yet, right there is where God chooses to come and stand next to him. Searching again, not really what you'd expect. So that means that even those of us who exclude ourselves, which we all do sometimes, 
and say, you know what, God wouldn't turn up and, and meet with me right now. If, if you knew, Tim, what I did yesterday, you knew what I did this morning, you knew what I'm thinking, you knew what I'm like on the inside, he wouldn't turn up. If you knew what I was going through, you'd know that that's it's a nice pipe dream, it's a pretty idea, but he's not going to turn up for me because of where I am. And yet Samuel found himself somewhere at the same time, completely holy and full of the presence of God and completely full of the worst depravity you can imagine, which is not unlike what I'm like on the inside, to be honest. No matter who you are, no matter what situation you find yourself in, God can turn up. God can turn up. Sometimes when, um, when someone sort of turns up, enters a place, it changes the atmosphere. I don't know if any of you have ever worked somewhere where it's the kind of place where you know, it's fairly friendly, quite chatty. People are, are doing their work, but they're having a bit of fun at the same time. And then the door opens. and Everyone sort of turns to have a little look, see who's coming on. That's okay. It's okay to carry on. And then the boss comes in. And... Absolutely everything seems to change. It, it goes very quiet, apart from this noise. As people frantically try and look like they're doing some work, which they probably were anyway, but it's very important to look like you're working. And all the conversation stops. Or maybe the kind of place where they, they come in and, uh, and it's not so much that it stops, it's just it very swiftly changes direction to talk about something other than the person who's come in, perhaps. <laughs> or um, it, maybe some of you cast your minds back to being at school. I don't know if you ever had the kind of teacher who um, didn't really have control over the class. And maybe there'd be uh, a few kids at the front who are doing what they're told, but the rest of the room is not really. Um, and probably a kind of gradual progression from just not listening or doing what they're asked through to some fairly serious mucking about through to maybe a full-on gang fight at the back. Um, this is my experience as the teacher, which was a long time ago, which I don't do anymore, but <laughs> I can <laughs> remember it with, with deep horror. And yet, sometimes, someone else wanders in. Maybe the head teacher, someone like that, senior teacher. And the atmosphere changes. Because that's someone the kids actually do respect. Um, and they, they stop what they're doing. They stop talking. The knives swiftly go away. And <laughs> you think I'm joking. Um, and, uh, and everything, if not, looks exactly like it should. But there's a sudden calming effect as they, uh, again, a bit of presentism, as they try and look like they're doing what they should be. Some people, when they come in, the atmosphere changes. Things change. When the Lord comes and stands beside, when God turns up, funnily enough, the atmosphere changes. And so do the people that he goes to talk to. So do the people that encounter him. Much what happens to, to Samuel he finds, um, God speaks with him. And I think, again, probably what I would expect is that God, uh, I don't know, maybe calls him to himself, says, you've got to come and do some things for me, um, and then maybe tells him that he loves him or something. It's the sort of thing you might expect God to do. Sadly for Samuel, he goes and um, 
tell, God tells him to go and tell Eli, this priest who's probably brought him up, who he respects, that actually he's going to cut him and his whole family off um, and that there's no way that they can come back to God. Uh, it's the same message that Eli was given in the chapter we looked at last week. Samuel's again told to tell him the same thing. This little kid. Which is it's pretty tough. You'd expect that he has some, some great respect for this man who's brought him up. Okay, he hasn't, he's the high priest, he doesn't seem to have told him very much about God, so he's not done brilliantly, but you expect that he's in some way taught him and brought him up. There would be some respect for him. Certainly, the boy is willing to keep getting up in the night to help him go to the toilet. So there's some sort of love there, and yet he's got to give him this, this very difficult message. And he needs some, some coaxing to get it out of him. It's, uh, it's not easy for him, and Eli kind of almost just to threaten him, but he does it. And then it seems that this encounter with God changes Samuel, changes him. I'm going to read again from verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. So that, it kind of means everything he said was true, and the things he said happened. And all Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, so that's, that's north to south, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So I don't remember what I read first off, uh, the first verse in this chapter, which reads, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. And then we get to a place where we find that um, Samuel speaks the words of God, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So in the space of some 20 verses, we've seen a complete reversal of the fortunes of this country. Because God comes and stands beside, God turns up and a young boy who doesn't know him meets him and finds that he is changed. God turns up, he is changed, changes everything around him. And that, I think, is, is what happens when God turns up. People change. If I were to try, well, if I were to be a little bit trite and try and describe my life story in six words, God turns up, I am changed, would probably not be a terrible go at it. That's, a, that's my experience. That God turns up and then I find I'm changed. In fact, time and time again in situations that I would rather not be in, God turns up and I am changed. Doesn't always change the situation. But I'm changed. I don't think I've ever encountered him without being a little bit different. Sometimes very dramatically so. In fact, <laughs> he turns up, I'm changed. It doesn't even always then allow me to approach situations in a way which some seems to help. But I find that somehow I'm more like Jesus nonetheless. Because he turns up and he changes me. He comes and stands beside I've had some very powerful experiences in my life where God has turned up and I find that I am different. 
In fact, I can remember one time where it felt to me like, um, like verse 10, and the Lord came and stood where he was stood three feet in front of me. Now, now I didn't see him, but that's what it felt like. He stood three feet in front of me and he spoke to me. And I can remember word for word everything that he said because God turned up and I was changed. Had an experience a couple of years ago when very powerful experience of the spirit um, when among other things it almost felt like parts of my body were changing shape it was so powerful the presence of God that afterwards the next day people said to me what's happened to you? something's happened to you what's happened to you? because I was so different because I had encountered God and while not every experience is of that magnitude every time God turns up we are changed.